My daughter uh, has this book, Guess How Much I Love You, with two little rabbits there, a little child rabbit, and I think it's a daddy rabbit. And the little child is, the little baby rabbit, child rabbit, is asking his dad, how much, guess how much I love you? And they're competing to see who can uh, say the, the biggest thing for their love. So they start by stretching out their hands and stretching up their hands. Who can hop the highest? My love is higher than I can bounce. They talk about the moon. They talk about the stream and the field. Uh, my love is bigger than that as well. It's a pretty cute book to remind kids of the love their parents have for them. I think most parents could probably add a page or two to this, although maybe not quite so cute. Uh, something along the lines of, my love for you is greater than an hour of high-pitched screaming. My love for you is greater than a sink full of dishes at 11 at night, right? My love for you is greater than, the, than cleaning the filth that you left on the walls and the floor in the bathroom. It's a reminder of our parents' love. And in our Latin series this year, we're going to be asking similar questions of Jesus. We're going to be comparing Peter, Jesus, and me. And we're going to be talking about how deep and far Peter fails. Not because we want to pick on Peter or criticize him or make fun of him, but because all of us can, if we're willing, see ourselves in Peter, the depth of our sin. And we want to be reminded of the depth of our sin because it's also a reminder of just how great God's love for us is. However deep we fall, however great our sin, we're going to be reminded constantly that God's love is deeper and greater and bigger. Our text this evening, then, is from Matthew 26, verses 30 to 35. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. You could probably guess our first sin this evening. Well, it probably helps that it's in the bulletin, so you don't have to guess it. Pride. Peter certainly shows a lot of pride in our text today. I will never fall. I'm sufficient in and of myself to stand up for Jesus. I will never leave you. Now, on the surface of it, what Peter is saying may sound like a good thing. Aren't we supposed to stand up for Jesus? Aren't we supposed to confess our faith boldly? Aren't we supposed to be willing to die even rather than deny Jesus? Isn't what Peter is doing a good thing? Well, the problem, of course, isn't that Peter is standing. The problem is what Peter is standing on. Throughout our text, Peter is always talking about I and himself. His, always, his reliance and his strength is always found in himself, and he's sure of himself instead of looking to Jesus. 
Psalm 46 reminds us the Lord is our refuge and our strength. It's only when we stand on Jesus that we stand on a firm ground. It's only when we seek refuge in his strength that we remain strong. When we stand up like Peter and say, I will do this or I will do that, we're not standing on Jesus. We're standing on myself and my own strength. We're standing in pride, and that always leads to problems. The Bible has lots of warnings about pride. There's three of them that most of you probably could think of off the top of your head. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 13, 10, by pride comes nothing but strife. And Obadiah 1, 3, we don't often get passages from Obadiah. Obadiah 1, 3, the pride of your heart has deceived you. When I think of pride, it makes me think of those really unfortunate kids who try to take selfies on the precipice of the Grand Canyon and lose their footing because they're not paying attention and fall. That's exactly what the Bible is warning us about. You're so concerned about yourself and your strength and what you're doing, Jesus is saying that you're not paying attention to where your feet are. You're not paying attention to where you're stepping. And the fall is just right behind you. Most of us don't really doubt the Bible's warnings. Most of us understand that pride is a dangerous thing and a sin and a bad thing. So why do we have so much problems with it? If we agree with the Bible, why is it constantly showing up in our lives? One of the problems that I think is shown in our text is the fact that even though we understand that pride is a problem, we're not very good at seeing it. We're certainly not very good at seeing it in ourselves. We're probably pretty good at seeing it in other people, but we're very bad at recognizing it in ourselves. We make excuses why this or that action, which at the heart of it really is pride, isn't sinful and isn't pride. And we even sometimes confuse pride with faith, which is, I think, another thing that Peter is doing in our text. And so we sometimes even double down on it, saying, no, I'm doing the right thing. I'm standing up for Jesus. We often confuse pride and faith. You can see that, unfortunately, even in some of the meetings in the church. When people get worked up about my way of doing it, and we all probably have done this at some point in our lives, confused my opinion with God's word. You see right there how much of a problem we have with pride, how arrogant we are that we so easily confuse my opinion and how I like things to be done with thus says the Lord. And so we go into meetings and say we must do it this way and we get angry when people won't listen to us because our way is the right way and the only right way. That's pride acting there. Faith doesn't have that kind of attitude. Faith doesn't have the attitude that things have to be done my way, does it? Faith says God is in control. If some people in the church want to do it a different way, if some people in my family want to do it a different way, then, then I would choose. Well, God is in control. That's okay. I don't, need to, I don't need to worry about it. We often confuse pride, not only with faith, but with other things as well. And so it's probably good to talk about some hints. Some hints that show us that what we're dealing with isn't faith, or anything else, but it's really pride. 
One of those hints is how it causes us to look at other people. If what we're doing causes us to look down on other people, despise them, think badly of them, talk about them behind their back, that's not faith. That's pride. It's true that God's word confronts sin and condemns it, but it also reminds us that we are chief of sinners. And that even when we're confronting uh, sin in other people, it's a loving attitude, not a criticizing, angry, hurtful attitude. If it causes us to get angry. Right? That's not faith or anything other than pride. The Apostle James reminds us, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We always think that, well, but in my case. In this case, I have a right to be angry. But God's word is clear. He doesn't say but, or he, he doesn't say unless. He says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That which leads to anger is pride. If we're talking about, like Peter in our text, what I will do or what I won't do, that's not faith. That's pride. If it keeps us away from God and his word, that's not faith. That's pride. These are just some of the ways that we can recognize pride. And Jesus knows how hard it is for us to see it in ourselves because of our pride. Because of our pride, we don't want to see pride in ourselves, do we? And we have a pretty good job. The, the new Pixel phones are supposed to be able to erase whatever you want from pictures, right? And they must have learned that from our own imagination because we are very good at erasing from the pictures of ourselves what we don't want to see there. Jesus knew just how difficult this was for us. And so he has a very simple suggestion first for Peter, for the apostles. What does he tell them? He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. He doesn't say wait till you see pride and then watch and pray, right? Because you're not going to see it coming. He says, watch and pray always. Come to Christ regularly, admitting your sin. Assume the pride is there, because it is, no matter what we might want to think. Another problem with pride is not only that it's so hard to spot sometimes, but that even if we do pluck it out, it comes back quickly and stronger usually than ever before. Jesus is trying to warn Peter in our text about his pride. He's pointing right at it. He's saying, Peter, it's right there. Beware of this. This is what you're going to do. He's pulling on it. Peter can't see it. But what does he do? He comes back with an even more arrogant statement. He doubles down on that pride. Ah, even if everyone else, I will never leave you. Even if I have to die, I will never, ever leave you. How many of us don't have a problem, just like Peter's, with pride? Of course, that's a trap, isn't it? Because if you say, I don't have a problem with pride, well, then obviously you do. That's a pretty proudful thing to say. And if you say, oh, you're right, I do have a problem with pride, you're probably also thinking, oh, I'm a good Christian who just admitted my sin, and there's another problem with pride. Almost no matter what we do, if we try and pull it out, it just comes right back. We're proud of ourselves for dealing with our pride. And that's why Jesus reminds us, don't trust in you. Don't stand on your strength. Watch and pray. Look to Christ. 
Lent is all about repentance, isn't it? Our repentance is admitting our sin, but then the next step is just as important, looking to Jesus. Not only did Peter fail to admit his sin, he failed to look to Jesus and stand in his strength. Pride is strong. It's resilient. It multiplies. You see that in our text as well, don't you? Peter makes his bold, arrogant statement, I will never leave you. And what all the other disciples do? They don't want to be left behind, right? So they join right in the sin. Oh, neither will I. They don't want anyone to think less of them, so they jump on that, that pride band, bandwagon. Pride is strong and resilient and multiplies. It lives in our lives, and it's not something that we can get rid of. But our text also shows us that Jesus is stronger even than pride. What does Jesus say to his disciples? When Peter argues with Jesus and says, no, I will never do that, Jesus doesn't continue the argument. But he says one simple thing, one beautiful thing. I will go before you. I will be waiting for you in Galilee. Even after all that the disciples do, even after the great sin of Peter right here, his, his arrogance and, and Jesus trying to point it out to him and Peter refusing to listen to Jesus' word, Jesus' love comes back. My love is greater than that, that pride of yours. And when you fall, I will be waiting for you. I will go before you and I will be waiting for you. Jesus is the good shepherd there, looking out for the sheep, watching them approach the cliff, warning them, but then he himself reaching out to catch them because he knows that stupid sheep like us, we're just going to walk right off that cliff every time. He's there waiting for them. The punishment of our pride is death. The Bible reminds us that <coughs> excuse me, when the Pharisee prayed in the temple, God, I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector over there. What did Jesus say about him? He went to his home unjustified. He went to his home under God's judgment. And Jesus warns us that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. We've seen some pretty good examples of that as we've been studying the, the book of Daniel, how God had to humble Nebuchadnezzar because he stood uh, in pride, right? The, the punishment for our pride is death. Jesus' love, again, is greater. He goes to that death for us. He accepts that punishment for us. So that even though we jump off that cliff time and time again, we don't have to die. We're saved by his grace and his mercy. The result of pride is that Peter was separated from Jesus. And the result of our pride is that we are sometimes separated. Our relationship with Jesus and one, with one another is strained even sometimes to the breaking point. But again, Jesus goes before us. You remember how he fixed that relationship he had with Peter, how he forgave him, how he washed him in his blood. How much do you love me, Jesus? Much more than our pride, much more than all of our sin. He gave his life for us and has redeemed us from our arrogance. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.